anybody glad that 22 is over? Yeah. Anybody who's like, it was a little rough, don't want don't to do that again. Anybody? Come on, let's just be honest, right? You're like, eh, yeah, I'm kind of glad that is over. Um, and, and then there, are, there are, are some in the room. We actually have probably a couple of extremes here. Um, so there are some that uh, are like, well, New Year's is just like another day on the calendar. It's really no big deal. You know, I go to bed, I wake up just like every other day. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean anything. Um, and, and then there are those in, in the room and in our culture that are more like, okay, I go to bed New Year's Eve, and when I wake up New Year's Day, everything is new. It's almost like there's a sense of, uh, you hit that reset button. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? You hit the reset button and it's like everything is new. It's a new year. Everything's going to be great. All that kind of stuff. Well, regardless of where you are, how many of you would agree, I pray and hope that 23 is better than 22. We can all agree on that, right? That would be my dream, you know, is that, that 23 would be different or better uh, than, than last year was. And, and, I, and I get that. I kind of find myself in the middle of the two extremes. I don't have any grand illusions that just because the calendar changed, everything is different. <laughs> All right? I, I know that. I get that. But also, there is something exciting. There's something that can be incredibly refreshing with the new year. I, I believe that. I, I really do. I like new things. Anybody like new things? I like new things. Yeah, I've never bought a brand new car ever in my life, but I used to detail a bunch of them. And I love getting in a brand new car and you smell the leather like oh it's new you know I like new did you guys know even all you cynical people in the room did you know God likes new things oh come on I didn't get very many amens God likes new things he likes new things he does new things did y'all know that he's the same God but he's not quit doing. Oh, come on. He's not. He has not quit doing. He's not stopped working. He loves new things. Matter of fact, Isaiah says it like this. It says, for I am about to do something what? This is God talking. I'm about to do something new. See? I've already begun. Look at somebody and say, he's already started. Yeah. And then he asked this question. This is God. Don't you see it? Do you not see it? 
Do you not see it? I, I'm doing something new. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? You know what? I believe sometimes God is at work and we don't see it. Oh, come on. We don't see it. Sometimes in religious circles or church world, we don't see it because we're looking for God to do exactly what he did way back then or to do it exactly like he did then. And so we just say, well, if it doesn't look like that, then it must not be God. <laughs> Think about that. And so we miss it. He's like, I'm going to do something new. I, can't you see? I've already started it. I'm doing something new. Can't you see it? And then, then, then he's like, open, open your eyes so you can, so you can see it. And, and then he goes on. The very next part of this, I love the King James. It actually says, he says, do you not see it? He said, I'm going to make a road. Everybody say road. I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. Do you guys know what a wilderness is? A wilderness is any place you are that you don't know your way out of. That's a wilderness. I am here. Things are crazy around me. And I don't know what direction to go. It's wild. It's crazy. And I don't know what to do. That is a wilderness. Anybody ever been in a wilderness? Oh, come on. You guys are too churchy. We're not playing that this year, all right? Uh, I, I mean, I, mean I, am, I am in a place, and it's wild, it's crazy, <laughs> and I don't know which direction to go. That's a wilderness. And he says, in the wilderness... I'm going to make a road. Now, now, yeah, in one translation it says a highway. But here's, here's the way I've always pictured that. Because I've experienced it. I, I've always pictured, here I am in a place where I am like destitute. I don't know what to do. I don't know which right way to go. I, I'm feeling a little bit lost. I, I feel like the closest person is 10,000 miles away. Come on, anybody been there? Like, I don't know what to do. And all of the sudden, here comes this massive D9 cat dozer plowing through the woods, knocking trees down, and God's driving going, here's your road. Right? That's how I've always pictured that scripture because I've experienced that where, where, man, I don't know what to do. And God shows up knocking down trees. Anybody else? Oh, come on. He just shows up knocking down trees and goes, well, here's your highway right here. But you know what? The more I walk with God, the more I am understanding so many times, this translation may even be more accurate. All right, just hang with me. He says, I will make a pathway. So I started looking it up, back to the original language. And here's what I know to be true, based on the original language, right, is, is that 
that, and based on many of our experiences and really what I'm learning about who God is, is that, that many times we're in the wilderness, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, I'm stuck, what do I do, Lord? <laughs> and God shows up and he shows you the unmarked path. It's not the dozer knocking down the tree so often. Sometimes it is. But often it's the Jesus walking in and going, hey, I've got you a path right here. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Come follow me and we're going to walk out. And here's what I'm learning. Sometimes him rescuing you from the wilderness is not nearly as important to him as you walking with him out of the wilderness. Oh, come on. That'll preach right there. Because he wants to be with you. That's the point. And he's like, hey, I'm making a path. I've got this, I've got this unmarked trail. And the only way you're going to make it out is if you walk with me. So let's go walk out. Let's go walk out. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. I really, really believe that. I, I do. I think that is so critical for us to understand. And so many times I think we miss it. We miss it. Sometimes we're looking for the big dozer, right? We're like, well, God ain't doing nothing. All the time he's like, I'm over here. Come follow me. You know, I got this place. Come on, you know. See, so many of us, we can miss this year what God is doing. And we can just go, ah, it's just another year. No big deal. Just same old, same old stuff, different day. But you know what? I choose for this to be the year of our Lord, 2023. Anybody else? Y'all know it's a choice, right? Y'all understand it's a choice. And it has nothing to do with what goes on around us. Oh, come on. I only got one amen on that. It's the truth. It, it really is. See, I hear the stories and I read the stories and I've met the people that have been there, that have been to China. The revival that's going on right now in China is staggering. The Holy Spirit is sweeping across that country and, and the estimated, the best estimates they can get is fifty to 60,000 people a day coming to Jesus. I mean, it is... Phenomenal. Yeah, go ahead. Give the Lord a hand if you're gonna. Yeah. We don't. You guys know we don't do golf claps. It's not good job. We don't, we don't do that. All right. All right. I mean, and 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 I, I I read and I hear the stories of how the Holy Spirit is moving in South Korea right now. It's pretty staggering. It really is. 
I, I mean, there's literally, do you guys know the largest church on the planet is in South Korea? <laughs> 1,250-something thousand people in one church. <laughs> and you know what I think is interesting? The movement that is happening in that church, the growth that's happening in that church is through their small groups what we call circles, literally changing a nation, one neighbor at a time. That's amazing, y'all. It's so, so, so good. You know, it's so cool. Do you realize that three of the top 10 largest churches in the world are in India? In India. The Holy Spirit is at work in such a powerful, powerful way. Years ago, Joey Pittman and I, Joey's pastor friend, he was my pastor at the time. And uh, Joey and I sat down with a couple that were, uh, they were helicopter pilots in Africa. And, uh, and their, their mission, they were missionaries there. And their missionary work was primarily flying uh, pastors and supplies and stuff into remote areas there in Africa. And he began to tell us about all that God was doing uh, in, in Africa, you know, and, and what they were involved in. And he told us story after story and about the thousands of people every day that are coming to Jesus and how, how he, he told us four or five stories of Muslim leaders. This is a primarily Muslim area. And, and how these Muslim leaders over and over and over, these guys were getting visitations and visions and dreams from somebody called Jesus. Like literally modern day Damascus Road, Paul kind of stuff. Where they were being visited by Jesus, these Muslim leaders, so radically that they walk out of that like Paul going, I can't serve two masters. And, and these Muslim leaders coming to Jesus knowing it was going to cost them their life or at the very least cost them their families. And how the Holy Spirit was working and, and there at that time, and it's still going on, that at that time it had begun and, and they were doing a once a month prayer meeting. Once a month, all these people would come together, they would fast, they would pray, they would worship, they would pray for each other for 24 hours nonstop. A 24 hour church service nonstop. No food, only water. They had water stations they'd set up. That was it. 24 hours once a month, they would come together and it looked like that. Almost a million believers once a month coming together, fasting, praying, worshiping, 
He said the coolest thing was when they would all go home, there would be piles all over the fields of crutches and wheelchairs. Of the people that were healed while they were there. I'll never forget, he spent an hour and a half, he and his wife, talking to Joey and I. And when he finished, Joey looked at him and said, why do you think that doesn't happen in the United States? And he did not even hesitate. Here's what he said. You may want to write this down. He said, we are not hungry. Amen. <laughs> We're not hungry. And then he went on to say, the church in the United States is spiritually fat, full, and doesn't really need anything. And as I was preparing for today, I was reminded of that story, of that lunch meeting. And it just reminds me of what we read and studied just a month or two back about the church in Laodicea, <clears throat> where we only read the first part most of the time where he said, if you're not hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out. You know, and we've dug that out. We've studied that. Um, but I want to read just a little bit of it and hopefully challenge us today. This is Jesus talking to this church. He's talking to the church. Everybody say it's the church. And here's what he said. He said, you say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need anything. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. So I advise you, buy gold from me. You got all this gold, but it's all fake gold. It's all going to burn. Buy gold from me. Gold that has already been purified by fire. Then you will be what? Oh, come on. You'll be what? Rich. Also buy from me. You got nice clothes. You don't need clothes, but buy from me white garments so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And buy ointment for your eyes from me. Buy the ointment for your eyes so you can... See. Hmm. And then, verse 19, he said, I correct and I discipline everyone I, what? I love. So, he starts to give us the answer. How do we get out of this, I don't need anything? How do we become hungry? 
Well, he starts giving us a course correction right here. He said, so be what? Diligent, purposefully. Be diligent and what? Turn. Turn. Remember, it's a choice. Turn from your indifference. Yeah, just another year, just another day, just another message, you know, just another sermon, just another Sunday, just a turn from your what? Indifference. That's right. Because the truth is, and I say this all the time, but I'm just going to remind you because somebody here, you may not have been here and heard me rant on this very profound statement that will rock your world and you'll be like, never knew that ever before. But the truth is, nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> right? Nothing changes if nothing changes. It's just true. It is. Huh. And then, that was verse 19. Verse 20, I have heard hundreds of messages about this being for the lost. And yes, it works for the lost. But it was written to the to the who? The church. The very next verse, he says, here's how to fix your problem. You're not hungry. You're indifferent. You're not hot or cold. Here's how you fix the problem. First, you got to know, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and what? Opens the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. He's talking to the, everybody say he's talking to me. He's talking to me. He's like, this is Jesus. These are church people. These are believers. Matter of fact, if you read just up above it, these are believers that are doing all the right things. They're doing good works, the scripture says. They're doing the good work. They're going to church. They're doing all the stuff. And he says, the only problem is, I'm standing outside the door knocking, going, are you going to let me in? You used to let me in. Are y'all hearing me? I used to hang out inside. Now I'm hanging out outside. And because I'm not inside, you've become indifferent. Because you're not letting me in to share a meal. I love this translation. Because you're not letting me in to share a meal as what? Friends, I know you see me as God, as Savior, going to heaven, great, but I want to come in and have a meal with you. I want to come in and spend some time with you. And the first way, the first thing you're going to have to do is Open the door back up. Let, let me back in. I know I'm in a Savior, but I want to be friend. 
I want to spend some time with you. <laughs> Matthew describes it like this, and we've studied this before. Well, let me go on. I'm going to read the rest of this so you get it all in context, all right? Um, he said, I, I got stuck on that one. I'm going to try to go back. It's not letting me go back. You may have to go back. There you go. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, open the door. I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must, what? Listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the, what? To the churches. We are the churches. It is for us for today. It really, really is. And then Jesus said it like this in the Beatitudes. He said this. I'm not sure why this is not working, M. You, you're probably going to have to help me. Next one. He says this. Blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And they will be, everybody say, filled. <laughs> Those that hunger, see, Jesus was saying in Revelation, you're not hungry to have a meal with me. You're not hungry to let me in and let me just live with you. You're not hungry for it. And then Jesus here is telling us, hey, blessed. Y'all remember what that, that word means? Oh, come on. What does it mean? Come on. Does anybody remember? We, we dug this out. Deeply. Everybody say deeply satisfied. Yeah. Deeply satisfied. Are those who what? Hunger and thirst for. You know what righteousness is? It's right standing with God. Or it's. The scripture would define it as a friend of God is righteous. Someone that is a friend of God. The righteous, one that stands with God. Not a perfect man, but a forgiven man. Anybody? Right? Not a perfect man, but a forgiven man, a forgiven woman. A, a one that walks in. David was righteous and he was a murderer. Yeah. What made him righteous? He repented. Proverbs says, a righteous man falls seven times and arises again. What made him righteous? That he failed? No. That he got up. He repented. Oh, come on, right? That made him righteous. So he's saying here, deeply satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for friendship with God. Righteousness. Righteousness. Because those are the ones that are truly going to be what? They're going to be filled. Everybody say be filled. 
You know what my prayer today for us as a church for 2023 is? My prayer is that we get hungry. Hungry, hungry, thirsty. I mean that we in 2023... And I'm scared to even say this. It's a good way to clear the room. Some of you may not come back. (laughs) If it means tragedy, brokenness of a nation, whatever it takes, my number one prayer is that we get hungry. We get hungry. Because unless we are hungry and thirsty for his righteousness, we will never be deeply satisfied. And my prayer is a lot more about being deeply satisfied for you. I want us to live deeply satisfied. And I see and have walked with people that, that lived in cardboard boxes that were more deeply satisfied than people in Mena, Arkansas. And my prayer has always been, Lord, I don't want to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years to figure it out. But he's proven he will let us. He'll let us wander around for 40 years if that's what it takes. Because he's more interested in us being blessed, deeply satisfied with him, with him, than us being blessed Americans. That doesn't mean a whole lot to him in the big picture. Now, he loves and blesses our nation. I get that. And I'm I'm thankful I live here. Anybody else? I'm thankful for that. I am. But my prayer is that we become hungry. And so starting tomorrow morning is a fast. We're going to start fasting tomorrow morning. For the next 21 days. We're going to fast. We are. We're going to fast. And we're part of a global fast. It's kind of a cool thing. Literally a couple hundred thousand believers around the world are starting to fast together tomorrow morning. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, you can write this down. I don't care if you like it or not, this is true. A biblical fast must include food. Because <laughs> here's what I know. I would rather my belly force me to be hungry spiritually than the collapse of a nation. We get to choose.
it's on the church, not the politicians. I don't care whether you like that or not, it's the truth. It is. He said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Not once did he say if the corrupt politicians. He said, if my people, if my people, then I'm going to move heaven and earth and I'm going to heal their land. That's what he said. That's what he said. It's us. And, and, And biblical fasting has always been about food. So for the next 21 days, we're going to fast. We're going to fast. We are. We are going to deny the flesh, and we're going to feed the spirit, right? Because that's what a fast is. And it will set the tone for 2023. I really do. I do believe that. Matter of fact, I want you to think about this right now. What food will I fast? There's lots of different types of fasting of food. You know, there is. But I'm challenging you. Is it one meal a day you're going to fast? Are you going to do a liquid only? Man, you better hear from God if you do that. I've done it. Right? You know? And if that's what God says, there's nothing better. Right? But, But I want you to seriously right now say, Lord, begin to show me. What is it? Am I fasting one meal a day? Am I fasting one day a week? Am I fasting breakfast every day and I'm going to spend that time? (laughs) I'm going to open the door and say, come on in. Let's eat. Let's eat together. Let's eat in your word together. Let's worship together. Maybe, Maybe you fast lunch every day for the next 21 days. And at lunch, you say, Jesus, let's go for a walk. I just want to walk with you. Maybe you worship with him. Maybe you, but you intentionally open the door and say, come on. I want to spend some time with you, Jesus. I'm setting this food aside so that I can spend time with you. Maybe you're going to do the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast was, you know, maybe for the next 21 days, you're going to only eat Fruits and vegetables and beans. Make sure your family's on board with that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But maybe, maybe that's the fast. And you set aside those things that you just maybe really, really enjoy. Or for some, you're like, oh, I get a pass because I got a medical thing. Are you telling me there's nothing that you enjoy you can't set aside in food? I don't believe that. If that's you, maybe you just eat such small amounts that you're hungry all the time. Seriously. That you're constantly, you eat so you can take your medicine, but you eat such small amounts and there's no sweet stuff or whatever, you know? I I don't know. That's between you and God. I don't care. I'm just saying, let's get hungry. Anybody? Let's get hungry. And there's nothing better to drive us spiritually than our bellies growling. 
It works. I don't understand, but it works. I know it does. All right? I just want us to be hungry. I do. Maybe it's like, okay, I'm only going to drink water. as the, That's the only liquid I'm going to drink. You know, I'm setting everything else aside. I don't know. Get creative. Listen to what the Lord would say to you. But let's take it serious. And starting tomorrow morning, let's dive in. What, what is it that you're going to fast? Maybe you need to write it down. Write down some options. Talk about it as a family. How you can do this and, and make, it, make it work. All right? And so, biblical fasting was always about food. But I want to take it another step because I believe in our American culture, we need to also fast some pleasures. We're going to fast some food, all right? And don't make it broccoli if you hate broccoli. It doesn't work that way, all right? And some of you like, I'm just going to fast school the next 21 days. It's going to be... Yeah, no, doesn't work that way, all right? All right, but, but, but I believe you need to set some foods aside so your belly fills it, you know? But I also believe in our culture, we need to set some pleasures aside. I, I, I believe that, I do. You know, for some, those pleasures, it may be a hobby that you need to set aside for the next 21 days. You know, maybe it's social media that for the next 21 days, no Instagram, no, can I tell you the world will still be there? No Facebook, no TikTok, no whatever, just for the next 21 days, I'm going to set those things aside. For some you may need to fast uh, the news for the next 21 days. You binge watch CNN, you binge watch Fox News, you binge watch whatever. Maybe you just need to set that aside and just trust God that it's not all going to fall apart in the next 21 days. And if it does, he's still working for your good. Come on, come on. Maybe, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think we need to take that very seriously. And, and I want to challenge you. I, I don't know if I have it here or, or not, but this is on your handout. I want to challenge you, uh, that QR code, or you can do it online. Um, you'll, you'll see uh, the... It's through foursquare.org. They're organizing this thing. But if you will sign up for the 21 days of prayer, every single day you'll get an email and we'll all be praying the same focus for that day. Does that make sense? Can you imagine a couple hundred thousand believers around the world all praying the same focus on the same day? Isn't that going to be cool? Yeah, yeah. And God's sitting up there going, wow, that smells good. And it's coming from all over the world. I just think that that could be so cool. So sign up, sign up. 
be a part of the next 21 days of fasting and prayer. And while you're, I don't care if you need to get your phone out and do it right now so you don't forget, I give you permission, all right, to, to do that right now. But while you're doing that, I want to spend the last part, all right, I've got about 10 15 minutes at the most that I'm going to spend, and I want to talk about why would we not do that? Or maybe I can say it like this, why are we not hungry? Why are we not hungry? Why are we not hungry enough to go, oh, this is an opportunity to fast and pray with the body of Christ? Whoa, that's great. Why do we not do that? Why are we not hungry? I mean, let's think about it. Let's think about it. Why do we not pursue with all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our strength? <laughs> Why do we not pursue this friendship with Jesus? Why would we ever just close the door? It was indifference that closed the door. It's what that scripture says. Proverbs actually says this. See, we focus on all the wrong things. Proverbs says this, that the pursuit of, those that pursue righteousness, listen, those that pursue righteousness will find life, prosperity, and honor. All the other stuff that we look for probably could be fit into that. Life, prosperity, we want this year to be better, and honor. Honor. It's all found in the pursuit of righteousness. So, why are we not hungry? I want you to write this down. I believe this to be true. Because we fill up on all the wrong things. Why are we not spiritually hungry in the United States? Because... We have so much more that we get to fill up on. Come on. Right? I, I mean, we get to fill up on. There is literally this incredible meal waiting. But you've already eaten. There's this incredible meal that Jesus wants to sit down. He's like, just open the door. I want to come eat with you as a friend. <laughs> There's this incredible meal waiting, and you're like, yeah, but I'm already full. So just wait out there. I'm just not hungry today. The problem is, normally we fill up on stuff <laughs> that's not really satisfying. Am I right? We fill up on stuff that's not really satisfying. It, it was just enough, like my mama would say, it was just enough to spoil my appetite. Right? I, I, I fill up on all of those things, and it's just like, it's kind of like this. Can you imagine? I mean, none of us have ever done this. I know, surely, I have never done this. That you're on your way home and you're not sure you have anything at home to eat, right? And so you stop by the convenience store, you're getting gas, and you're like, ah, there's nothing to eat at home. So I go in, and I buy, or you go in, and you buy a couple bags of chips, 
a Swiss roll, a Diet Dr. Pepper, because that makes the Swiss roll okay, right? So you get the Diet Dr. Pepper, and maybe you grab a Slim Jim while you're checking out, right? You get back in the truck, you eat the chips, the Slim Jim, wash it with the Diet Dr. Pepper, eat the Swiss roll, you pull up at home, you get out, and you smell this amazing aroma. Mama has cooked, and it's steak, mashed potatoes, green beans, with a little bit of garlic. My girls like a lot of garlic. A, a little bit of garlic. And you walk into this amazing meal. And you can only take a few bites because you're just sick. You're full of junk. And you can't eat your favorite. That's never happened, has it? You know? We fill up, I believe, we fill up as the people of God in the United States, we fill up with junk food. We do. We let all of these other things fill us, and we're not hungry. We're not hungry. Hmm. We fill up on entertainment. We mindlessly scroll, and it stimulates our brain just enough that the things of God seem boring. Hmm. Old-fashioned. We stimulate our minds with all of these other things that fill us, and we're just like, eh. I've read that scripture before. It's nothing new. And God all the time is saying, don't you see it? I'm building a new road for you. Hmm. So here, here's a question. Just think about that. Are we... Are we spoiling our spiritual appetite with things that don't really satisfy? Or maybe, honestly, there are some in the room. And if this is you, I'm not beating you up. I honor you for your honesty. Because not a lot of us are honest about this. But I, would, I believe there's probably some, as I prayed about this, I believe there's some in the room... That the reason you're not spiritually hungry is the truth is deep down, you just don't want what God has offered. You just don't want it. It's not that you're full of all this other stuff. You just, deep down, you don't want it. I've had those conversations, even in the last couple of weeks. Just didn't want it. And I was thinking about that, and there's only one reason I can think of that you don't want it. And, and here's what it is. You just don't know how good it is. 
The only reason you wouldn't want it is you just don't know how good it is. I mean, has anybody ever offered you some really weird food? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they offered you something and, and you're like, oh, well, what is it? And they start telling you what's in it and everything in you goes, that does not belong together. Anybody? And you're just so politely go, no, thank you. Not today, I'm full. You're starving, your stomach's growling, but you're like, nah, no thanks, you know? And finally, they shame you into tasting it. You ever been there? I, I've been there. And it was always on the mission field. You'll offend them if you don't eat it. These people are hungry and they've served you their best. Iguana. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you will offend them. They boiled this chicken with the feathers on it all day for you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. You got to eat it. I'm like, oh, no. Don't, don't make me. But have you ever had one of those where you're like, oh, that's the nastiest looking stuff I've ever. Cajun food. If you look, listen, listen, listen. If you look at it. Now, I, you guys know Jerry Boudreaux, best friend, passed away this last year. He, he was a Cajun of Cajuns. And, and he would tell me all the time, don't ever ask a Cajun what's in it. Don't ask. Just eat it. Because if you ask them what's in it, you'll be like, ugh. But if all you do is close your eyes and take a bite, you'll be like, where have you been all my life? This is the most amazing thing on the planet. Where have you been? Any Cajun? Can I get an amen, right? It's like, no, I mean, I can't believe, you know? I, I, here's, here's, here's the thing. So many people think and believe this Jesus thing just doesn't look good. It just doesn't look like it would taste very good. And I could spend a lot of time going, some of that's our fault. <laughs> All right? Some of that is our fault. But, um... So many, so many people, others look at it and go, nah, I really don't want that. It looks restrictive. It looks weird. You know, why would I want to do that? Um, but then when you taste it, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, it's good, he's good, you know, when you taste his love, and you taste his forgiveness, and you taste, genuinely taste his, his purpose for our lives, we go, wow, where have you been all my life? This is amazing. So many are like, eh, I don't know about this fasting thing. It doesn't look very appetizing. No, you're going to be hungry. You know? Why would I want to do that? You know, why would I want to do that? That fasting thing, it doesn't look good. You know, baptism, I don't like getting in front of people. 
You know, I, I don't, I mean, getting wet in front of everybody, that's just weird. Why would I want to do that? And then you do it and you realize it was like this amazing, powerful, defining moment in your life. Amen? It was like, wow, why didn't I try that earlier? The same thing happens with circles. Yeah, I don't know about that. And then you get into one, you're like, this ain't bad. This is okay. These people are weird, but they're okay. You know, it's so, it's so cool. And then there are others in the room today, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. There are others in the room today that you're not hungry for the things of God. You're not hungry because somebody served you something that tasted bad. Somebody served you something that hurt you. Let me tell you like this. Maybe this will help. Over 40 years ago, I stopped at a little convenience store that used to be up by Louis Durham. Right there in the curve, right there by Louis Durham. Some of you guys will remember it. Um, I stopped there. And I went in, and I bought a little carton of chocolate milk, right, over 40 years ago. I walked out, got in my truck, opened that carton up, and about the third gulp realized it had chunks. <laughs> stay down, stay down. Can I tell you truth? It was 25 years later before I ever bought another carton of chocolate milk. The old timers would say it was because it put a bad taste in your mouth. And every time I looked at a little carton of chocolate milk, all I go is... It tasted bad before I ever tried it. Can I just tell you? There are so many that are not hungry for the things of God because what somebody told them was God or what somebody told them was Christianity, what somebody told them this is the church, it left a bad taste in their mouth. Can I just be honest? I have, not even realizing that I've done it, left a bad taste in other people's mouths. And they associated it with all Christians. Because I'm as broken as you are sometimes. If you're not hungry for the things of God, and it's because you've been hurt by things that have been called the things of God, by people that you thought were Christians, 
maybe they're Christians, but they're just broken like you. Maybe they're not perfect. Can I beg you? Take another taste. 25 years later, I opened a little carton of chocolate milk and drank it and was like, I've been missing it. There's just something better when it comes out of one of those. Can I beg you? Open the door. Because if you've tasted anything bad that left a bad taste in your mouth, can I just tell you, it wasn't the God of Jacob. It wasn't the God of David. It wasn't the God that died for you. It was somebody else's brokenness. So take another bite. Taste and see that the Lord is good.